0: The Erie Canal is a a marvel of modern engineering, if you know anything about it. It's a a body of water that runs from the Atlantic Ocean to our Great Lake here, Lake Erie, and it terminates at at Buffalo, New York. Truly remarkable, this Erie Canal. It took about eight years to dig, hand dig. Can you imagine digging? And it stretches about uh, 363 miles from the Atlantic Ocean in upstate New York all the way to Lake Erie. So why in the world would they want to get from the East Coast to the Great Lakes region? Access, access to the riches and riches and resources of this beautiful region, and we know all about that because we live here in the Great Lakes. They wanted access. Well. Access to Lake Erie is one thing, but what about access to the riches and resources of God? I mean, how, how do we grab onto those? Without God, there's no question that we're rudderless and without any direction in life. And how is it that we can come into relationship with God? As you've been hearing, we're continuing this Lenten sermon series called Who is Jesus? And on Ash Wednesday, Pastor Zardi kicked us off talking about his incredible identity. And today we'll be talking about his extraordinary access. How is it that we can gain access to God? Our text for today comes from the New Testament book of Hebrews. Hebrews talks a lot about having access to God. And I'll read to you from the 10th chapter. And as I'm reading through this, uh, pay attention to uh, vocabulary and language that gives itself over to access, that we have access to God. We'll start in Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great, a great priest over the house of God let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water may it please God that we would benefit from his holy word this morning let's come together in prayer father in heaven thank you that we have access to you right now that you are hearing this prayer let us learn how it is that we can have the ability to approach you. Let us appreciate that we have a relationship with you. And let us cling that the lo- to the love that you give us through your son, Jesus. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say amen. Well, following the theme set by Pastor Zardi on Wednesday and the theme of the video, we'll do a little bit of investigative um, journalism, I suppose, and finding out how to have, have access to God. And we'll look at some of the ways that mankind thinks they can have access to God, and then we'll eventually come upon the biblical truth of access to God. So what about the world's system of works? The world's system of works. Maybe I can get to God because I'm a good person, or I can check things off of his list of things to do. If I'm good enough, God will take notice and reward me. Or maybe it's some bizarre religious thing that I've got to do. I've got to go to a holy mountain or some sort of strange ritual. Maybe it's just being a good person, paying my taxes, giving money to charity, serving my community. If I do good, God will let me in. I'll have access to him. But the Bible says the opposite. Galatians two fifteen, if a person is a person is not justified or made right with God, given access to God by the works of the law, by fulfilling requirements, by meeting the standards, and then it says it again: by the works of the law, no one is justified. So the idea that we can work our way to God or fulfill the standards that he requires does not give us access. The Bible is clear on that. So if you're taking notes, maybe you write a big nope next to that one, or you put one of those circles with a hash through it. That's not a way to have access to God. What about the priestly system of holy men? God set up the system in the Old Testament that priests were kind of the go between, uh, between humanity and God. Maybe some of us thought that we just had to uh, submit to the right holy man to have our redemption. If I find the right priest or guru or yogi or sage or seer or spirit guide, swami, author, maybe they can lead me to access with God. Well, God's word is clear on this one too, Hebrews 10, 11. Day after day, every priest, that's what we're talking about here, stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice and then look, which can never take away our sins, which can never uh, take away the barrier between us and God, so we still don't have access to God. Well, what about our friends in the Roman Catholic Church found out just two weeks ago that according to their rules, not our rules that we follow in our, our uh, Christian uh, organization, but um, they heard the news that hundreds of baptisms are invalid because a priest used one wrong word during the sacrament, and all that that means. My heart breaks for these people. Now, I'm not picking on our friends in the Roman Catholic Church, but as an example, there's so much weight put on the priest and getting it right and saying every word right. The system of priesthood wasn't meant to be that way. So we can say that from Scripture that we just read in Hebrews 10, the Old Testament priestly system of holy men does not give us access to God. Well, what about number three, the old covenant system of sacrifice? The old covenant, the Old Testament, God says, sacrifice animals to me, and then we can be in relationship. It demanded blood sacrifices for the payment of sin to gain access to God. It's described in the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Leviticus, in the first chapter, you are to lay your hand on the head of a burnt offering, and it will be accepted on your behalf to make atonement for you. You are to slaughter the young bull before the Lord, and then Aaron's sons and the priests shall bring the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar at the entrance to the tent of meeting. This idea to make sacrifice payment for my sins, God instituted it after all, so shouldn't it still be a way that we could have access to God? One of the um, websites that I like a lot called the Bible Project, now I've got a long quote for you here, it'll take us a second to read through it, but really explains this Old Testament system of sacrifice And the authors write, for the Israelites, cutting an animal's throat and watching its blood, that is the life, drained from its body was a visceral symbol of the devastating results of their sin and selfishness. The stakes are are high. Human evil releases death into the world. When an Israelite cheated a neighbor or stole a donkey, they would be tempted to think it's not that big of a deal. Multiply that, however, by uh, tens or hundreds or thousands of people, and you get a violent and corrupt community. This animal's symbolic death is a physical symbol of what's really at stake, the life or death of the community. You could call this part of the symbol a deterrent. However, the symbol did even more. This animal's death was not just a reminder of sin's tragic consequences. Its life was also offered as a symbolic substitute. So there's a lot there. And it seems like in the Old Testament, God said, if you slaughter animals and splash their blood in the altar, you can have access to me. But even that for us in post-Calvary days is adjusted. We read in Hebrews 10, 11, let me read to, to you again. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, which can't do away with the barrier between us and God. So what's going on here? Is God just frustrating us? Is he setting up a system that seems to work for a while but doesn't work anymore? Well, what's happening there is it's a foreshadowing. It's a pointing forward to Jesus who was the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. We started this morning talking about the Erie Canal and how it had to be dug by man's hands, hand-dug, 363 miles, to gain access to the riches and resources of the Great Lakes region. But when we're talking about Christianity and having access to the riches and resources of God, it's really like the Erie Canal digging itself. Like a group of people in New York State wanted access to this and thought, wow, how's this going to happen? And then suddenly the Erie Canal just came to them. I guess that's what a river does, right? Rivers do that. That it came to them. And several places in Scripture Jesus has talked about as the river of life. That he comes to us, that he flows to us, that he makes a way to us. And that is how we have access to a holy God. Number four, it's the gift of Jesus. And I purposely left gift underlined, so you had to write it in. So again, we understood that it's something given to us. All of man's efforts, all of our religiosity will, won't give us access to God. We have access to God because he comes to us. The river flows to us. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to son, uh, sonship. Christianity is not winning access to God or making the right kind of life so he'll like us or for cr- finding the correct holy man or an acceptable sacrifice. Christianity is essentially two events. Two things happened. God became a man, Christmas, Christmas, And then that man, 33 years later, went to the cross, died and rose again to completely do away with the barrier between us and God. That's why it's called good news, the gospel. It's not good instruction or good guidelines or a good rule book or good directions. It's good news. It's the proclamation that something has happened, that God came to us so that we can now have access to him. Hebrews 10, verses 12 and 14. I have this written in my office at home. But when this priest, and this is referring to Jesus, when Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice, his death on the cross for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Don't miss the sentence. He sat down at the right hand of God. It was done. What do you do when you're done working? You have a seat, it was over. He gave us access to God. I like hand gestures. Do you remember a couple of years we were talking about the victory that we have in God and I made everyone do this? Like, I don't know where that came from, but that means victory. And we all did it. And then when we greeted each other, I said, let's not hug or shake hands. Today, let's just all do this to each other. And lots of us did it and there was laughter and giggle and it was really effective. And I like this hand gesture. What does this mean? Finished, done. I don't know where it came from. I did a little research. They're not sure. Maybe the Middle East, maybe Eastern Europe. It's finished. Here, everybody do that. It's finished. I don't have a chance to greet you today because I gotta get get in the other service, but I would love for all of us on the way out instead of hugging and and shaking hands to go like this. It's finished. God, the the barrier between me and God is gone. The the work is over. It's, It's finished. God gives us access to Himself. So who has access to this holy God? Sinners, the weak, the despicable. The young, the old, the simple, the sophisticated, the self-assured, the rich, the poor, smart people, established people, came for everyone, without exception, even people like me, even people like you. This Lent, as we begin this holy season, let us deeply appreciate the extraordinary access we have to God through Jesus. It's, it's really remarkable. So we'll spend a little bit of time talking about what that access that we've been given by Jesus to God means. And this is not an exhaustive list. This is just five things for us to think about to ponder this Lent. First of all, we have forgiveness. And that's important because that does away with the barrier between us and God. The guilt that we have over our sinfulness is what keeps us from having access to God. And that's done away with. Remember, hands are clean. It's out of my hands. It's done. Forgiveness. We read about it in, in Ephesians 1-7. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, without the forgiveness of sins, we are dead. We are without hope. Sin is a barrier between us and God. I like just about everything about Ash Wednesday. I like receiving the ashes on my forehead to mark me as a sinner, but to also remind me of repentance repentance and contrition that I'm broken and so sorry for my sin and that God is a forgiver of those sins. And then we gather for worship services and and the fellowship is here and we hear the proclamation of the gospel. It's such a great day. And then we receive Holy Communion Then the benefit of that. But I think my favorite part of Ash Wednesday comes at night and I'm at home in front of my mirror and some Ash Wednesdays, I forget that I have ashes and I rub my forehead so it's all smeared all over the place. Some Ash Wednesdays, it's still in the shape of a cross. And I wet my hands and I soap them up And I'm looking in the mirror, and I start to wash it off my forehead. And this is unique for guys. We don't get to wash makeup off of our faces. Ladies, you do this every day. So we're not really good at it. And I use too much water, and kind of the ashes flow into my eyebrows. And I go, I look good with dark eyebrows. Maybe I should get one of those pencils. No. So so we completely wash it off, dry my face with the towel. And I look in the mirror, and I go, how did you get so old? No, I go, I go, I go. Baptism, the washing of my sins through the water and the word. It's so beautiful of what Christ has done for me and for you to next Ash Wednesday do that. Wash it off and go, baptism, the forgiveness of sins through the water and the word. Because of Jesus, we also have access to peace. Again, not an exhaustive list, but some of the points that we have access to. Peace, Second Th- Thessalonians three sixteen. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with you all. Peace at all times and in every way. 12 days since the invasion started. We're seeing again what it means to be without peace. Now this isn't new. These kind of conflicts have been happening over the millennia. And the absence of peace and how devastating that is. And thank you, George, for reminding us to pray for the Ukrainians. But of course, we pray for the Russians too. We pray for Vladimir Putin. The Bible says to do that that this spirit of darkness would be lifted out of him, and he would think sensibly and righteously, and for the people of Russia that are there, and the people of Russia that are abroad, who, who may themselves now be facing persecution because of their ethnicity. The lack of peace breaks everything. And if we pray for the Ukrainians, which we should, but do not pray for sin to be lifted out of everyone's life, the Russians, the Ukrainians, everyone, then the best we can hope for is a truce, but when Christ crashes into their lives and changes them, then we have an everlasting peace, a peace of God that, that means there won't be another war in 50 or 30 or however many years it'll be. Another thing we have access to is hope. Hope, you know the way I've been describing it, this is my definition if it helps you. It's, it's a, a belief in the promises made by one who's never broken a promise. That's the hope I have. It's believing the promises made by God. He's never broken a promise. We have hope. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, We all know um, the Jungle Book from Disney, but I didn't know that it was actually written by Rudyard Kipling. I found that out this week. In the classic book, The Jungle Book, we read about Mowgli, the man cub, and he's asking the, the, the animals of the jungle, What's the most dangerous thing in the jungle? And he's told that it's when two animals meet on a path, and one has to give way, one has to yield. The one who maintains his place, who doesn't give up his place on the path, that's the most dangerous thing in the jungle. And Mowgli wants to know, What animal is that? And someone says, It's an elephant. And someone says, It's a lion. Then the wise owl says the most feared thing in the jungle is death because it steps aside for no one. Wait a minute. It stepped aside for one. Jesus fought death. Jesus battled death. And he beat death. Death had to step off of the path for Jesus. And now we have that hope because we have access to God through what Jesus has done. Our Savior did not step aside for death, but defeated death, and so now we have that hope. We also have joy. We have joy. Remember, joy in our definition is not an emotion. It's not a reaction to the circumstances of life. That's happiness and sorrow. Joy is a firm foundation. We'll talk about that in a minute. Jesus is sharing truths about his Father's kingdom with his friends, and he says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Complete joy. Remember, we've talked about joy being a a train platform that you stand on that's firm. Now, trains come in and out of your life. Some bring happiness, some bring sorrow, some bring good news, some bring bad news, and that affects your happiness and your sorrow, but your joy is deeper. Your joy comes from the hope that you have in God, the promises that he's made, and the things that he has given you. Having access to God through Jesus Christ brings us joy. And our final stop this morning It's all of the access that we have to God brings us faith. Now, that seems strange here. Having access to God gives us faith. I thought faith was the thing that brings me access to God, and on some levels it is, but let's talk through that here. Let's read through Romans 12, and then we'll unpack it. For by the grace uh, given to me, Paul says, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So he's giving them some instruction, and then the part for us this morning. In accordance with the faith... God has distributed to each one of you. See, the faith that we have in God is not something that we've conjured up in ourselves. You thought faith was me reaching up to heaven in some sort of belief, but the faith that you have in God is a gift to you. The fact that we have relationship with God, that we have access with with God, is completely God's doing. He gives us the faith. He's, He's reaching down. Faith is a gift, God gives us faith. Our ability to believe in God and have a relationship with him, our access to him, is a gift that he gives us. So I want to wrap up here this morning in this idea of having access. Jesus is on the cross, dying for my sins, dying on your behalf, so we can have access to a holy God. And you're familiar with this passage in Matthew 27:5, When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, he died. And then at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This thing that was between us and the holiest places, this big curtain that God instructed the children of Israel to hang that kept people out of the most holy place was torn from top to bottom, torn by God. So now all of humanity has access to God. This beautiful relationship we have, again, is all God flowing to us through Christ, coming to get us. Becoming a human, dying the death that I deserve so now I can have a relationship with a holy God. This Lent, this week specifically, some next steps for you to think about. These are in your worship folder. Think about these things, pray about them. Thank God that he came to us in the gift of his son, Jesus. And number two, this 40 days of Lent, take some time to exhale and rest and have peace in the hope that we have from Christ. And thirdly, celebrate the forgiveness of sins, the removal of the barrier between us and God that we now have access that Jesus has provided. Let's pray. Father, it is clear that the reason that you are hearing us right now that we have access to a holy God is because you came to us, you dug the canal to us, your river flowed to us. There's nothing mankind can do to to work our way toward you. And so this access changes everything, and we talked about five of the points, but there's many more. This Lent, let us chew on those, let us think on those, let us rest in your peace and your hope and your joy, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say, amen.